Good morning, church. It is such a privilege to be here with you this morning. I sat in one of the most awesome Sabbath school classes I've sat in in a long time, just sharing, sharing, and listening to the members talk about just this Jesus of ours and how he functions. You know, um, I want to say thank you. Thank you to my son. Thank you to your wonderful pastor, Pastor Edmonds, for inviting me to be a part of your worship today. Uh, these are privileges that not everybody gets to get. So I don't take it lightly. Every time I go to speak anywhere, I get a blessing. And so not only did I bring a blessing with me, but I've already received a blessing from you. So before I ask for God to come, come with me today, I, I want to just introduce you to this wonderful husband of mine. We've been married for 42 years. And I, he's the wind beneath my wings. And everything I am, I rest on his arms. So Leroy, will you stand so they can see how good looking you are? We have three adult children and four grandchildren, the oldest of which is turning 17. And I have been blessed beyond measure. Let's pray just for a second. Lord, this is Lois, your child. And this is your church. So I ask that you will speak to them today. Lord, don't let anything come out of me that you don't want. And let everything come out of me that you want. Thank you for hearing us. Amen. I was born in Jamaica. A little girl who was considered very bright. I started high school at 10 years old, and they thought I was a little genius. Uh, it's, it's not, it's in, the, in the Caribbean, it's normal to, to start a little earlier, you know, 13, 14 years old. But I got there at 10. I won a scholarship, and um, they sent me to West Indies College High School. When I got there, I was doing really well, 13 subjects, 13 A's, and oh, I was just a little thing, running around, and the teachers loved me. About the third year of high school, by the way, we have five years of high school in Jamaica. About the third year of high school, I started just getting poor grades. And I remember one teacher said, what happened to Elaine? And at that time, I went by my middle name, Elaine. What happened to Elaine? And I heard another teacher said, oh, it's boys. I bet you it's boys. I was only 13. I was only 13, but that was their conclusion. And they really didn't pay attention now that I'm an adult looking back. I think we were, I was going into depression, possibly because my parents were going through some really rigorous disagreements in my home. So I repeated the class after the third year. And I'm going to cut this short to tell you, I ended up spending eight years in high school. At the end of the eight years, I was now 18. My mom immigrated to the U.S., and she sent for us. And when I got here, for the first time in my life, I would have to go to public school because she was a housekeeper up in Boston. I had to go to public school, and I walked in, and I tell you, it was quite, in, in, in Boston, it was an all-girls school, and they were beating teachers and beat with poles and the, the language and the prostitution at night and come back to class in the morning, and I'm sitting there shivering. 
But I realized that I could understand what they were, the teachers were teaching. All of a sudden, everything that was taught to me in those eight years were coming back, and I realized I really heard the material. I just couldn't process it back then to put it on paper to pass all the exams. And now I'm making good grades, and I'm so proud of the fact that I'm making good grades, and, and I was paying no attention to how the system ran. So I graduated at 18 from high school with my class. Now I wanted to know, but my mom came and she didn't have a, um, she, didn't, she was a housekeeper, so she didn't have any money to pay the, the rest of the tuition back home, so we couldn't get transcripts, so that's why they put me into the 11th grade after I had already had six years of high school. Uh, they put me into the 11th grade, and, um, and, and, and I didn't know anything about SATs and ACTs, so I didn't take any. Obviously, they were talking about it, but it went right over my head. I was a new immigrant and had no idea what they were talking about. But here comes time for college. I applied to Harvard and Princeton and Stanford and Yale and AUC. And they all turned me down and, except for AUC, Atlantic Union College. And they accepted me on probation. So I went. I was all excited to be going to college. And I am the first person in in, in, in my family to have gone to finished high school, to finished elementary school. And, and now I'm going to college and, and my mom, you know, used to take me as a little girl up to the college steps and say, one day you're going to go to this school. And she had no idea how because she was washing people's laundry and daddy wasn't making very much money. So I went to AUC and the first year I did good, did well. And so I got accepted into the nursing program, a three-year nursing program. And the first semester, now this is 1969, I want you to know, and whatever that means to you, let me tell you just a little bit. <laughs> I was barely, probably the sec only one of two people who looked like me in the classroom. And um, at the end of the semester, they flunked me. I had, a, I had a B in the written work, and she said, that I said, well, what happened? She said, I heard you say, um, pass me the, um, the box of milk. This is America, we say carton. And she said, I heard you say, turn off the pipe. And here we say, faucet. And so you have to repeat the class. Well, that fundamentals of nursing was only offered once per year. So now I have to wait a whole year to take fundamentals again. So I ended up spending four years in college to graduate with an associate degree in nursing. I remember when I was graduating and that the senior class, they asked me, um, what are you going to do with your nursing? Well, they asked the whole class. And somebody said, I'm going to be a doctor. Somebody said, I'm going to, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be an OB nurse. And I could go through and remember everything that they said. And I raised my hand and said, I want to buy nursing homes. Amen. The teacher fell out laughing, so the whole class started laughing. Well, I laughed with them again. I thought they were laughing with me. Because, you see, my daddy, who had no education, they couldn't get a driver's license because back then you used to have to have a car, a good car, in order to get a driver's license. So he started a driving school. No license, but he started a driving school, teaching people how to drive. That's the home I grew up in. So the thought that there was anything impossible for me to do didn't even cross my mind. And I was God's child, and I heard my mom all those years when they tried to put me out of school. She used to walk with me and she would say, Elaine, I just heard Jesus say, they can't put you out of school, what are you worrying about? She's my child. I would hear her over and over talk about hearing Jesus' voices. Jesus' voice and 
As I got older, I started experiencing that. Hearing his voice in my head saying, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This. I was only at nine years old. <clears throat> my dad lost his job and mommy had no more wash to wash the, 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 kids, the college kids' clothes. And there was no food. She put the pot of water on the fire. We had those wooden fires back then. And she put the pot of water on the fire and she, she and daddy called us in to kneel down and pray. So that the Lord would send food to put in that pot. And when we got off our knees, she opened the door and she looked and there was a box of brown provisions sitting on the steps. It had potatoes and yams and all of the stuff that somebody had to have dug early in the morning and put it on his head and walk several miles to get to our house to have that box on the steps after we got up from praying. And as a little girl, I realized that this God of mine, this God I know, he hears and answers prayers of everyone, the ones who don't have anything and the ones who do. So, 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 so this, is the, this is the background. My text this morning is 2 Kings 13, verse 21 and 22. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, Elijah died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. And when the body touched Elijah's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. You know, when I read the text, I thought, now if this was Jamaica, everybody would have scattered. <laughs> a dead man is walking. And then I read someplace else where it said, Elijah had power left over. Yes. Yes. Remember Elisha? Yes. When you read 2 Kings 3 and 2 Kings 4 and 2 Kings 5, in your quiet time, you need to go back and look at who Elisha was. See, Elisha was this man of God who trusted God for everything. Remember when Naaman, when the maid said, I know somebody who can cure, heal you. He was the one that told Naaman to dip in the water seven times. When the axe fell in the, in, in the water and the guy said, my axe is gone in the Jordan River. And Naaman, I mean, and, and Elisha took the stick and touched the water and the axe floated and he was able... How do you get that kind of power? You get that kind of power by experiencing God's mercies day in and day out and trusting that whatever he said he will do, he will do. So I'm re- reading and said, Nehemiah, um, Elisha had power left over. How does giving get into this? Well, do you remember, I think it was in 2 Kings um, 3, where the Syrians, the Syrians were going to come at night and they were going to kill off all of the Israelites. And, 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 and the guy said, Father, Joshua, did you see them all surrounding us? And Joshua said, oh, those are, that are with us are more than those who are against us. Lord, can you open his, the boy's eyes so you can see? And he opened his eyes and he saw all of the chariots and the angels around them. And, the, and, and Joshua said, Lord, blind, can you close their eyes? And he went out there and led them over into the, into the other, other area where 
um, when they opened their eyes and looked, they were scared. And now the Israelites said, the Samaritans said, well, should we kill them all? And Elisha said, no, 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 no. You, you have captives. You don't kill captives. You give them food. You set up a big lunch and you take care of them. Okay. So I read this. And I'm going, so I am learning that when people say and do mean things to me, that it's not my job to hurt them. I am supposed to love them. Because the text went on to say that when Elisha sent all those people back home, they never again bothered them. Because God tells, God is saying, the people, the, the, all of those mean people are nothing in comparison to the army I have surrounding you. So many years later, I'm married now, and we, um, I'm trying to finish college. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it really was a rough time, but I graduated, and I came to Maryland. And I kind of forgot that I, I said I wanted to start a nursing home. So uh, I went into nursing. I uh, helped to open a hospital. Now, you remember, I have a two-year degree in nursing. I helped to open the Shady Grove Adventist Hospital, which eventually became a medical center. But several years after, I'm the supervisor for the place, and um, I got sick. I lost a baby and got DIC, and I bled to death. They resuscitated me and put me on a ventilator, and for two weeks, I'm in shock trauma. And I woke up, and I'd had a hysterectomy. I was 27 years old. But I was so glad to be alive. And I came home and said, okay, now, Lord, what? I'm laying on the couch in my living room, and somebody's advertising. And I'm, I'm cutting it short, uh, it's the story, but is advertising buying houses without money. And I thought, my husband's a veteran. We don't have any money. I think I'm going to go buy one. <laughs> so I got up, and I called the real estate agent. And she came, and she took me out, and she's asking me how much cash I have. And I go... Um, I don't have any money, but my husband's a veteran. And the woman left me on the side of the road. She just dropped me out on the side of the road. <laughs> so I hitchhiked back to the apartment, and it was still broad daylight, so I now said, well, I got, somebody could lend me 5000 so the next time somebody asks me that, I'll have $5,000. So I called another real estate agent the same day, and she came and got me. And this time, they took me out, and she said, how much do you have? And I said, I'll have $5,000. And she says, Okay. And so they started taking me around and showing me. She showed me, and then I went with another real estate agent, and third one. And before you know it, I bought a house with no money down and kept it for six months and sold it and cleared about $25,000 and went on to buy and buy. All of a sudden, I was buying real estate. And one, I went back to work part-time for a home health care agency, and as I'm the lady said, you know, you're very bright. I need you to come with me. And she took me down to the hospital, and she said, you know, I need you to be my director. And I said, pediatrics? I, 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 I mean, I've headed a pediatric unit, but I don't, head, I don't know anything about this. But she took me to marketing. Boy, I like to talk, and I fell in love with the marketing. <laughs> so I went back and got some cards made up and said, oh, I'll just start my own. So that's what I did. I started giving out cards and said, I own da 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 family pediatric nursing, something of the sort. Got our first patient. I went on to do $1.2 million in the first year. I had not done a feasibility study. I had not done a business plan. I knew nothing about running a business, so God did it. See, he had a plan down the road that would have no question where all of this came from. So we bought homes and sold them in the 80s and 
had my, in 1986, my husband was working the jail conference in 1989. We asked him to quit his job and come and join us. And he, was, he said, well, what if it fails? And I'm going, if it fails, God will give us something else. Just come. I need you to come and help me. So he did. He joined us. That was 1986. I'm going to fast forward about Jesus. In 1991, somebody invited me to go to Oakwood University to, um, to, with the Youth Motivation Task Force to talk to young people about starting a business. And so I did. And when I got there, I was so impressed with what I saw. I had never seen a campus in America with all black kids. And, oh, I was just so excited. And I remembered how horrific an experience I had. I didn't tell you that they called me Monkey Allen through high school because that was ugly and I was flunking. That's what they thought. And so I, I went to the back and I, asked, I told the nursing director that I wanted to give her $5,000. And for any nurse, needy nursing students, she says, well, we need you to go out front, and, and we need you to give it out there. And so I said, no, no, I don't want to go in front of everybody. And, and she said, no, you have to do this so the kids can see that nobody asked you, you just doing that. And so I took it out, and they, the, the president came and shook my hand in front of everybody, and all of a sudden the kids started jumping over the seats. They started getting so excited. And then I realized I had two nephews in the audience that I didn't know into Oakwood, and they were, that's my aunt, that's my aunt. Why am I telling you this? There is something about giving that brings you joy, unexpected joy. Here, everybody is yelling and screaming my name, and it was $5,000 at the time. It was $5 million as far as I was concerned because I didn't have a lot of money. But it was so exciting. And what I didn't realize was just a few, a few years before when my baby was little, I said, Lord, 10 years from now, what, am I, what do I want to do? I said, Lord, I want to travel around the world speaking. I said, I don't, I don't want to run for office, but I want to be in, in government. I want to help the government. This was exactly 10 years to the date that the, the nursing department called and said, would you be our speaker for our nursing pinning? The first time that I would ever get a chance to speak in public. And after I spoke, I started getting calls from around this country to speak for Education Day, to speak for this, to speak for that. And I started feeling guilty. I said, Lord, I said, people are not supposed to do stuff because you gave them money. They're not supposed to ask you to speak just because you gave money. And the Lord said, really? You don't have anything to do with this. You do what I tell you to do. I will govern how it works. If I tell you to give, you give. Regardless of what, you know, don't be concerned about what people say. And while at my church, one of my best girlfriends I would get up when the business would not go well and I needed money for payroll and I'd tell, church, I need you to pray because I didn't make payroll this week and I'm going to need this. And one day she said to me, she said, Lois, she said, you need to stop getting up there ask, telling people to pray for you because you need $100,000 for payroll. People think you're bragging and you need to stop. So for two years, I didn't testify. I didn't testify. One day the Lord said to me, did I tell you that you had nothing to do with this? He said, I can get the rocks to cry out. And by myself, he said to me, you have a big mouth. That's the reason why I bless you in this way. Because you will tell. So anytime you want me to stop blessing you, then stop telling. Because if you're more concerned about what your church family thinks than about what I'm doing for you, then I don't need you. Well, I haven't shut up since. 
so years later, I go back to be on the board of, Washington, of um, Atlantic Union College. They asked me to be on the board. I served on that board of trustees for 21 years. The last five-year period, they asked me, they asked me to sit on a, on, a, on a committee to raise funds. And I remember sitting on the committee and, and, and taking part. And they said, if, if, if you know anybody that could give money to raise your hand. And I raised my hand and I said, um, I know somebody who could give $250,000. And they said, OK. And they wrote it down. And they keep on going because they were trying to reach $3 million. And um, they were trying to reach $15 million. That's what they were trying to reach. And so after about three meetings, I said, guys, and again, I was the only one that looked like me, but I knew they loved me. So I said, guys, I know you love me, but how come you don't want my purse? That's little money. We're not ready for that yet. And I went, oh, I'm learning. You see, the Lord is priming me. He's teaching me. And I knew that this group of people loved me. So if they told me that, then there's something to it. So I need to check it out. Oh, so I said, well, well what, what's big money? He said, well, we have to do the big money first. We have to raise you know, a million-dollar gift first, and then we go to 750, then 500, then we come. I said, oh, okay. So I sat on the committee while we were raising, and, and I, but I was, the Lord was priming me. So one day, I, the, the, the development director came to my house, and she stayed with me for a week, and she says, well, how much does that senior home? Oh, by the way, this nursing home stuff, I ended up, and again, the, sh- the shortened version, ended up purchasing, after I, I um, opened the pediatric agency, we ended up selling the pediatric agency and purchased five senior assisted, well, eight senior assisted living homes. They were the small ones, the small eight to 12 bed homes. And she was asking me how much we brought in and how much I made. And, you know, I just thought she wanted, she had a mother that she wanted to put in my senior home. So I gave her all the information. I didn't realize she was collecting data. So by Friday, she, she says, oh, the president is coming down to see you. And I said, he is? She said, yes. I thought he was coming over to visit the general conference. He was going to stop by. I knew him well, and he'd been to my home before. But he came. And when he came, he said, he handed me this piece of paper, and he was telling me stories about what was going on at the university, and I was looking, and I realized he was going to ask me for money. So I said, he's going to ask me for $5,000, and I know that I can do that. And let, me, let me figure, let me figure how, and I'm figuring how I can come up with $5,000. And then he said to me, he said, Lois, you know, when we were sitting on the committee, you said something. You said, people shouldn't ask people for too little, and they shouldn't ask them for too much. So you need to collect your data and figure out what it is that they can give and ask them. That we shouldn't be asking people for $1,000 when they can give $100,000. You shouldn't. And I said, well, what are you asking for? And his lips started quivering. His lips started quivering. And I went, I said, Doc, come on, come on, come on, ask me. And he said, well, 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 well we're going to ask you for $750,000. Well, I had dentures right here at the time. And I fell out on the floor. They fell to the floor. And I laughed. I had my feet in the air. And he's sitting there looking at me. And I'm going, I got up off my floor. And I said, Doc. You left AUC and came here and asked, you think I have $750,000? I said, Doc, did the Lord tell you to ask me for $750,000? He said, yes. I said, then I'm going to say yes. I said, I have no idea how, but I'm going to say yes. I said, now, it's Friday. I'm going to wait till Monday for the Lord to tell me how you're going to get it. Because I don't even have... I don't even have a savings account. And we didn't. We did not have a savings account. As I'm running up the stairs to tell my husband about this fiasco, the Lord said that senior house on Cedar Lane, 
senior home on Cedar Lane, whatever comes in, I want you to give everything from that house. And I said, and I'm in my head saying, that, that senior home bring, brings in about 20000 a month, and um, okay, and we pay out 2500 so okay, that's about 17 with, you know, give a little bit, 17000 a month. So by the time I got to my husband, I said, honey, Dr. Michael just asked us for $750,000. He said, what did you tell him? I said, I told him yes. He said, where are you going to get it from? I said, the Lord said to use Cedar Lane and to give everything from there. He said, how are we going to pay the bills? I said, he, the Lord said, give everything from Cedar Lane. He said, honey, can you write it out because you're not making any sense. So I, I wrote it down and I started multiplying. Listen to this. When I, he said, the Lord said, give it over five years. Now, I had never, ever heard of anybody giving money over time. Never. I thought they get on TV and you have a check and you hand them the check. So this poor child who don't have any money, we're going to have to do it over a five-year period. So I wrote it out for my husband and I multiplied it out. Well, five years, it was over a million dollars that you gave. 16800 per month came up to one million at the end of five years. I said, Lee. We don't have any money. Let's give him the whole million. And he said, okay. <laughs> so I, Monday morning when the doc called, I said, doc, we have good news and bad news. I said, the good news is we're going to give you, no, we're not, the bad news is we're not going to give you 750. And he's quiet. I said, the good news is we're going to give you 1 million. But he's quieter. <laughs> and for the next, what seems like a long time, he said, absolutely nothing. Doc, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. We don't have any money. We really don't. I don't even have a savings account. This is what the Lord told me to do. So, and finally, he said, Lois, what are you sorry about? I said, well, we have to do it over five years. We don't have any money right now. And he says, everybody gives money every time. And I went, really? I said, okay. So I went up to the next board meeting, and I wrote out 12 checks for 16800 a month. I said, I want you to cash one every month. And every month, that 16800 the Lord provided it. The Lord kept that house my house was full for the entire five years. Not a bed was empty in that house. Not only did that happen, but during that five-year period, my daughter came to me and she said, Mommy, I'm 30-something years old and I, I need a husband. I said, well, let's go ask Jesus. So I said, Lord, did you hear what the child said? I said, she said she needs a date. She says, Mommy, I had a child, but I've never had a date. I never had a man who was mine. I said, Lord, are you listening? I said, how is she going to know how to take care of her husband if you don't give her a date? That week, she got five people ask her out. Five people ask her out. One of them she married five years later. He's from Ohio. She now has three children. So my daughter got married. 500 people at the wedding that we, we, we end up paying for it. We traveled the world together during that five-year period. We bought a Bentley during that five-year period. We lived like we have never lived during that five-year period. I'm talking about Jesus. Now, when they did the document in the paper, they said, woman, Jamaican woman who doesn't have a savings account donates $1 million. In that five-year period, not one check was ever returned. Wow. So then, we go on, and I had a car accident. A car ran me off the road. I went over to 95 North from 95 South, landing on top of a Mercedes Benz, flipped over, somebody came and rammed me in the back and sent me flying through the windshield. I broke five bones in my back, three in my hip, two in my neck, 
and I have an iron rod with the three brakes that were in my arm. But I lived. I lived. I look back and I say, God, you've been mapping things out all along. Well, during that period of time, we lost everything we owned. This is prior to the gift to AUC. We lost everything we owned, our home, everything. We come home and my husband is working and I'm laying there because we were so dependent on every dime that we made. But it was during that time when we lost everything that the Lord had us start the purchasing of the, of the, of the real estate. It was during that time that the Lord showed me how to be totally dependent on him. One of my best friends came by and she said, Lois, can you come downstairs because I, I can't come upstairs. You fell from grace. She said, I can't come upstairs. You're living in an apartment. You've never lived in an apartment. But it was the first time that we didn't know anybody, anything, all the bills were paid. And my husband was great. She didn't know how happy we were. But the Lord was preparing us for what he would do for us later on. So after that million dollars was paid, I'm 21 years serving on that board. Washington Adventist University, the president, had us over for dinner. And as soon as I walked in, I saw a big drawing. And I knew this had something to do with, with money. He's a very close friend, classmate from high school through college, and turns out we're cousins by marriage. And he, he, I said, are you going to ask me for money? No, 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 no. And we laughed, and he showed me his dream of this music building. And, and I was dead set. I didn't check in with God. I was just dead set. And no, no more. We're not doing that again. And I said, you know what, Leroy, let's go. He's not listening to me. And as we were walking out, my, my husband said, honey, did the Lord stop filling up them bottles with oil? I just whispered, I said, Lord, did you tell him to say that to me because you know I'd listen? So I turned to the president and I said, okay, we're going to go home and talk to God about this and we'll come back. So we'll call you back on Monday. So we went home and the Lord said, this time I want you to give it over 10 years. Give it over 10 years and, um, and give from that, use that, that's that same house, but give it over 10 years. I said, okay. So I called him back on Monday and told him that that's what we would do. I had applied three years before for four extra beds in this house, and they gave me, I mean, just such a racket trying to block me from extending the beds. The day I said yes and I called the president, I got the letter in the mail. We had gotten the approval for the four extra beds. In that 30-day period, the beds were full, and the four beds paid for the 8400 a month that we would pay over the next 10 years. So they named the building the Lois and Leroy and Lois Peters Music Center. So God, not only did he bless us, but he put our name on a building like we had something to do with it. Really? So we continued, we continued, and we were running the businesses, and he's blessing I still have a two-year degree in nursing. I'm traveling to Russia to present to the, 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 um, the union and division presidents and conference presidents and pastors, and then the next year to Ukraine and, and um, uh, China and, and, and Mongolia and Korea, and I'm traveling all over the world. My husband completed one year of college, and I had a two-year degree in nursing. And I get to travel with presidents of universities and sit on three university boards. And, 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 and for a while, I sat on, on the um, inner circle committee with the president of the United States for about 10 years. Every single thing 
that ever came to my head, God had dreamed it and put it in there and then he fulfilled it himself. Because I could not have worked hard enough. I could not have been educated enough to experience what God has done in our lives. So two, last year, two years ago, Dr. Pollard came into power at Oakwood University and he said, oh, by the way, we need you to name a bill. I said, no, 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 no. We're doing this and we're just in our going into our fourth year at Washington Adventist, so we can't do this. And he said, well, whenever. And I said, well, I got some names of some people that I know could name a building. He says, no, 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 we want you and Leroy. And I'm going, well, you're going to have to wait on God. And when he tells me, that's when we'll do it. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, this is not important to us. So whatever you want to do is fine. You just tell us when you're ready. So one day I'm sifting. We had applied for five extra beds at one of the other houses. And I'm sifting through some paper. I'm sifting through some paper. And I saw it had been approved five months before for the five beds. And I said, God, are you ready for Oakwood? I, he said, yeah. So I called the president and told him, okay. And they're going to be on April 4th. They'll name the Leroy and Lois Peters Media Center at Oakwood University. Now let me tell you something. This time when these five beds were approved, I didn't get five patients. Actually, I lost about six. And when you're talking about 2,500 to 4,000 a month on a patient, that was a whole lot of money per month. And I'm going, Lord, what's up? What, what, what are you doing? And I'm going, well, you told me to say yes, I did. But now you're not doing what you did with the other house. I said, after I started getting fidgety, I said, huh, you said it, I'm doing it, so I'm going to see what you do. And every month, every month, the tithe comes out first out of our income. And then I watch God take the rest of it. No, tithe and offering. 10% tithe, 10% offering. And I watched God divide up the rest of the money. He didn't give us any more money. No more. He said to me, stop going to the store buying clothes. He said, I want you to go in your closet and re rearrange, mix and match. You see, I have on black with this color. and all the, I would, There was a time when I had the shoes to match and the skirt to match. And he said, no, 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 no. Go in the closet and find stuff that you can do to give. He said, and I'll bless you more than you can ever imagine. You know what he started doing? My daughter. My daughter ended up writing a play the other day that went viral. I see my children in church with me. I'm talking about blessings now. He said, it's not all about money. I'm going to take Isaiah 49, 25 that says, I will contend with them to contend with thee. And I will save thy children. He pointed it out to me and he said, I'm going to take care of every need that you have. Every need that you have, I will supply. So I'm still here. There is no cash. We, we used to be able to do more traveling than all of a sudden. We can't do all of this stuff. But I found clothes in the closets in the closet that had tags on them that had never been worn. I found shoes that had, I'd never put on my feet. All of a sudden, he's directing me back to, I'm in charge, I'm God. Just do what I tell you to do, and I will make it happen. So this house that has the five extra beds that he didn't fill, it's still not full. And this is two years ago that he showed me that I could use it for Oakwood. 
And every, every month, the money is being paid. How? I don't know. But guess what happened? My, the neighborhood went commercial. They built a mall next door. And I applied for commercial property. I live in a community, again, that don't look like me and didn't know where to go. So they were giving me a hard time. I started crying, went down to the city, the city council um, office. And the secretary said, Mrs. Peters, you need a lawyer here. This man is in here all the time. And I gave him, I took his card and I called him and I said, I need your help. And he started helping me. And one day, they, had a, they were running for a new governor and I went to a meeting. My neighbor was there and he said, Lois, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just came to see what you guys are up to because the lawyer told me to get involved with my government community. And he, a, he, a lady passed by and he touched her. He said, you need to know her. And the woman looked at me and said, hi. I said, hi, my name is so-and-so. And she said, she's got some senior homes up there in Maple Lawn. And she said, okay. And she went about her business. And she made a U-turn and came back and said, can you come over here and sit and have dinner with me? She said, get your food and come. And she sat down and she said, tell me about your senior home. And I'm telling her. She said, I have a meeting that's, that's going to deal with that this evening when I leave here. So I'll be able to speak up for you. Can I come by and see you? And I said, yes. So she went to the meeting and she spoke up. And the next day, this is a total stranger. The next day, she came to my group home, looked around. And when the hearing, when my hearing came, that lawyer had four people that was applying for, um, for, for status, for commercial status. And when the hearing came up, I was number 29. They called me first, and she raised her hand and said, oh, I just want to tell you that this lady is wonderful. She does a wonderful job in our community. She takes care of the less fortunate, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they approved it and sent me home before anybody else in the the community. Later on, I found out that not one soul was approved. In the last four weeks, we, got, we paid 680000 for that property. In the last four weeks, we got four, different, four to five different offers for $3 million, wow. okay. which we haven't accepted yet because we have to appraise and see if, they, if there is something more to this. Here is my point. He takes care of your health. He takes care of your family. He saves your children even if they're in jail. He'll go in there and he'll prepare them so when they come out, he takes care of them. He takes care of every need. I can say this morning, this wasn't working, and I said, God, can you fix it? And the next time I pressed it, there it was. Total dependence on God doesn't assure you that you're going to get money. It assures you that whatever he owns, you owns. It gives you power that when they drop somebody on your body in the grave... They get up and walk because the power will be left over. You see, it's God's power flowing through you. I don't, we're not doing things because we want to get. Did you get all the pieces of my testimony? Here is a little girl that came from Jamaica that they called Monkey Allen. Here is a child they laughed at in in college because she wouldn't come to anything. Who's going, how are you going to buy a nursing? Do you know what, the teacher said, do you know what a nursing home is? Here is a person that, wasn't supposed eight years in high school, four years in college with a two-year degree? Let me tell you the last thing Jesus did for me. Last May, I graduated with my bachelor's from Washington Adventist University in healthcare administration, and I begin my master's at Oakwood in September. This same Jesus, God bless you all.